people of Earth, your planet has to be destroyed. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, the world's most trusted conspiracy theory podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Haidar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host this week, ooh, my favorite co-host of all, no co-host. In fact, I don't even have any guests this week. Because here's the thing, I don't want to subject guests or co-hosts to the topic that we are covering this week. We, meaning me, meaning I. I'm talking about one of the more interesting and scandalous sections of the most recent Epstein Files release. That is the Virginia Roberts manuscript, a.k.a. Virginia Geoffrey. She is the Epstein accuser who brought celebrity names into the mix. A lot of the more damning stuff that you've heard from the Epstein Files actually comes from this manuscript. She was trying to sell a book. The name of that book was going to be The Billionaire's Playboy Club. And again, that first round of accusers didn't really mention celebrities or famous people. They were all just referencing Jeffrey Epstein in their claims and lawsuits. All the celebrity stuff kind of starts with Virginia Jeffrey. This manuscript... It's about 140 pages. I mentioned on the first Epstein episode that reading this within the Epstein files is very difficult because the pages are oriented really weird. But I did notice since then there's a drop down box at the bottom and you just change the setting from document to text and everything in these files becomes way easier to read. I wish I knew that when I read, you know, like pages one to 700, but (laughs) water under the bridge, you know? So this is the last of the Epstein Files episodes we're doing. This is going to be a little shorter episode, by the way, because there is no guest to jump in with all the witty banter that I know the guests and hosts on this network would absolutely bring to a topic like this manuscript. It starts with her camping out on Miami Beach, homeless at the age of 13 in 1997. She talks about her upbringing. It is pretty clear she had a rocky family history, to say the least. She talks about being abused as a young girl. There's no details, and hey, that's fine. There are plenty of other harrowing details in this manuscript. She is talking in this book about being on the streets of Miami at the age of 13, and she's panhandling for change, and just out of nowhere, a black stretch limousine pulls up. In the back of the limo was a businessman and modeling agency owner named Ron Eppinger. So at first I was like, oh, I get it. She's just changing names here to, like, not get sued, and that's actually Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, 
No, no. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Ron Eppinger is just another very well-known and infamous pedophile in the Florida, Miami Beach, West Palm Beach area, who I believe has since died. He definitely went to prison. If my Googling is correct, it looks like he might have a kid who was also named Ron, which, come on, if you're going to be a famous pedophile, at least don't name your kid after you. Or hey, if you're that kid, change your name. And I don't know, it might not even be his kid. You think I looked into it that far? I was all traumatized from reading this manuscript. Anyway, let's get back to that. So Ron Eppinger, she talks about Ron Eppinger's operation, which was pretty intense. This guy, at least according to her, I didn't delve into all the details of his misdeeds yet, but according to her, he ran a sex trafficking ring that specifically preyed on illegal immigrants. And she describes that first night meeting Ron Eppinger, and I am definitely not going to go into detail about that here. It's as heinous as you'd expect. It's a very tough read. There are a lot of details that sound almost kind of fantastical, like bordering on made up, but at the same time, I don't know how a fucking pedophile operates. Maybe all of that is completely normal in that world. But also, this is a manuscript for a novel that's being ghostwritten by a journalist. And that part gets a little awkward from time to time. We'll talk about that more. So after a few months with Ron Eppinger... She ends up getting in trouble for making phone calls to people back home. She's been moved to a ranch in like central Florida by this point. Ron Eppinger finds out and it sets up a really interesting moment in this book because one thing I should remind everyone of, as referenced in the Epstein files themselves, everything in here, these are all allegations. This isn't necessarily all stuff that you can take as news per se. And so keep that in mind when we talk about this next part. After Ron Eppinger finds out that she's been making these phone calls, he basically sends her off to another dude, like just gives her away. He lives in the Miami area. He's in a bachelor pad. His name is Charlie. And man, I like I immediately assumed Charlie Sheen, but Charlie Sheen's not balding. I don't think. Maybe he wears a wig. I don't know. But she says she was sent to live with a balding man named Charlie in a bachelor pad in Miami. Here's a quote. We arrived at his two-in-one restaurant and club at around nine o'clock in the evening. It was a revolving tower called Hot Chocolates in downtown Fort Lauderdale. And now there is some suggestion that throughout this manuscript, she's using fake names and places to hide the real names and locations that were involved in what happened to her. And I don't think that's the case, because if that's what she's doing, she's just substituting the actual names of real people and real places instead. And that's not how that works. You would, like, make up a fake name. But when she says she went to a nightclub restaurant called Hot Chocolates... She says it was the nightclub restaurant of this guy named Charlie. And I looked into it. Sure enough, there was a hot chocolates 
in Fort Lauderdale. It was a combination nightclub restaurant. Here's a 1999 quote about it from the Florida Sun Sentinel. Gentlemen of a certain age, yearning to be less so, escort young ladies to and fro in a kind of ritualized dance of raucous superficiality. Except that amid all the flash, there really is a restaurant here. And it is often surprisingly good. End quote. And hey, that quote didn't age well, seeing as how hot chocolates gets referenced in the Epstein files. And for the record, there are names mentioned in the handful of Sun Sentinel articles that mention this place. And none of them are Charlie. They mention the owner. They mention like the head chef. So it's still not really clear who she's referring to here. I mean, maybe somewhere out there who Charlie is has been explained. But I will say this, her ordeal with Charlie, as told in the book, ends with him getting raided by the FBI. So someone with more time for research can pick up that thread if they want. I'm the one reading the goddamn manuscript, you know? So after that, she bounces around from place to place for a bit and then moves on to her job at Mar-a-Lago, which we talked about at length on the last Epstein episode. And the time span here is about two years. She met Ron Eppinger when she was 13, and she first starts working at Mar-a-Lago when she was 15. And we talked about the Mar-a-Lago job a little bit on the first Epstein Files episode. And we all know, it's been revealed, that Virginia Roberts first came into contact with Jeffrey Epstein through Jelaine Maxwell. And it was while she was working as a massage therapist at Mar-a-Lago, which I'm surprised even working as a massage therapist at 15 is legal. It's probably not. I mean, Trump owns Mar-a-Lago. What's legal and illegal when it's owned by Trump? But she talks about meeting Jelaine Maxwell, and Maxwell asks if she does work on the side. And she's like, hey, I got... A client, of course, that client is Jeffrey Epstein. And one of the things to understand here is Virginia Roberts, again, she comes from this very troubled background, and she's looking for an opportunity. She's looking for a way out. And this isn't me, like, analyzing it. This is all in the manuscript. And so her plan, like her career goal, was to become a licensed massage therapist. And she tells this to Jelaine Maxwell. And Jelaine Maxwell is like, well, I have a rich client who just loves massages. And he's looking for a personal masseuse. Maybe you could do that on the side. And that extra work would help you get closer to your goal of becoming a licensed massage therapist. So that is Virginia Roberts' motivation initially for going to meet with Jeffrey Epstein. And then... She talks about the first meeting in pretty graphic detail. It's as horrifying as you'd expect. But also, every time she meets with Jeffrey Epstein, she's getting paid $200 to $400. And if you watch any of the Epstein documentaries where several other of his victims are interviewed, that's kind of the thing for all of them, at least everyone that it was happening to in the West Palm Beach area is he would go after vulnerable girls and he would use other vulnerable girls to recruit those girls. 
and it was all about money. And yeah, this is awful. Like you're, you're really kind of selling your soul, but also how else is a girl like you going to make money like this? Pretty damn insidious, you know? Eventually Epstein convinces her to quit her job at Mar-a-Lago and work as his full-time masseuse instead. And again, she was 15 at the time and her parents just let her go. And when I say let her go, Jeffrey Epstein travels a lot, probably still, but he definitely traveled a lot back before we all thought he was dead. And so she's not just his personal masseuse. She's his traveling masseuse. She's 15. And her parents, again, vulnerable communities, her parents are like, seems weird, but all right, whatever. There are not a lot of flattering depictions of her parents in this. I will tell you that. Eventually, what's happening with Jeffrey Epstein progresses to the point where he starts asking Virginia Roberts to find other girls for him and offers her double the money she was making previously. And so most of the early part of the book, it's a lot of what we already know happened with Jeffrey Epstein and countless other young girls just in, I think, way more detail than most people want. And so I was kind of concerned that this manuscript was just going to be that and that I wasn't going to learn anything new and I was just going to be horrified for a few solid hours while I powered my way through this. And then, oh man, a name I have yet to hear in connection to Jeffrey Epstein popped up. And that name is Simpsons creator Matt Groening. There's a moment where Virginia Roberts is talking about flying on Epstein's private plane, and they're going from, I believe it's somewhere in Northern California, flying to LA. And Matt Groening just happened to, he was a friend of Epstein's, and he happened to need to get to LA also. And so he's on that flight, and Jeffrey Epstein ordered her to give Matt Groening a foot massage. Here's a quote. I never turned down a client, but when I saw the shape of his feet, I nearly threw up at the thought of having to touch them. He had yellow, crusty toenails that even someone with a chainsaw would have had trouble cutting through. End quote. Nice crusty reference there. Fortunately, the foot massage is all that happens. And then he draws a picture of Homer and Bart for her brother and father. I thought we were also in for some equally scandalous Stephen Hawking details at one point when she brings up Epstein Island and, quote, a Harvard professor named Stephen, end quote. But also she talks about that guy swimming and making fun of her skinny legs, which are both things I can't imagine Stephen Hawking doing. And, okay, I said on the last Epstein episode that Naomi Campbell is mentioned. Virginia Roberts says in this manuscript that Naomi Campbell was a close friend of Epstein and Maxwell both, and that they traveled to France specifically for her birthday party. But that is also kind of the extent of Naomi Campbell's involvement. They just go to her birthday party. So I guess Naomi Campbell is just guilty of having bad friends. Now, Richard Hilton, on the other hand, father of Paris and Nikki Hilton, is directly named as having been one of the rich men that Epstein, quote, loaned Virginia Roberts out to. And it's alleged to have happened the night of Naomi Campbell's birthday party. Worth noting again, these are 
unproven allegations written in a manuscript that is buried in thousands of pages of documents. Also worth noting, a representative for Richard Hilton issued a statement saying she couldn't have been referring to him because one, he doesn't own Hilton. That was her allegation in the book, the owner of the Hilton hotel chain. And he also, at the time at least, didn't meet that physical description she provided of a short, balding man with straggling remnants of curly brown hair. She also said in a 2016 deposition that she couldn't remember the name of the hotel chain or the hotel owner. There's a Reddit thread out there that suggests she maybe changed the name in the book, and she was actually referring to a different hotel chain owner. But again, I don't think that's how that works. When you're changing names to avoid getting sued, you don't change the name to someone else who is also a real person. Like if it was the owner of the W hotel chain, you don't change it to Richard Hilton to avoid being sued. That's just going to get you sued by Richard Hilton. So I don't know. This is a very controversial section of this manuscript, apparently. And I don't know. I don't know. She says Richard Hilton in the book. And also, if that is her way of using code names, I really want to know who Senator George Mitchell actually is. Because he's also named as being one of the people who victimized her. Far less detail. What details she does include are really bad. It's just... It's just a lot less descriptive. Mitchell is mentioned alongside, quote, another Nobel Prize winning scientist, end quote, whose name she can't remember, assuming that's also not Stephen Hawking. I feel like if it was, you'd be like, I can't remember his name, but let me run a few details by you. I feel like you could describe Stephen Hawking to someone and they'd probably be able to fill in the blank for you there. Also, holy shit, does George Clooney catch a stray in this manuscript? His name comes up, and that information will probably echo throughout time along with questions of why his name came up in the Epstein files. Well, I'll tell you why. It's because apparently Jelaine Maxwell blew him in the bathroom at some random event once and spent the rest of her days telling anyone who would listen all about it. So George Clooney is just getting a perfectly adult bathroom BJ, and now he's forever linked to Jeffrey Epstein over it. That's harsh. Not long after that revelation, she talks about the Prince Andrew incident. She says it happened at Jelaine Maxwell's townhouse in London and that Jeffrey Epstein was there also. Prince Andrew and Fergie, not the Black Eyed Peas one, the former British royalty one, were recently divorced at this point. Important detail. She says Maxwell played a, quote, guessing game with Prince Andrew and asked him to guess how old Virginia was, and he guessed that she was 17. So if all the allegations leveled against him are true, including that part, he definitely knew what he was doing because she was 17 by this point. That's the allegation that Prince Andrew, I I mean, people say Prince Andrew had sex with her at 17, but that's still statutory rape. So he raped her when she was 17. So he would have definitely known what he was doing if this part of the manuscript is accurate. The only part that's weird to me is there's lots of details about them going out on the town for dinner and dancing. And I don't know, given what we know about the paparazzi in London, 
I guess I'm just surprised there aren't more pictures. Because it sounds like Prince Andrew was getting up to some antics during that night out. And there's also that now sort of famous passage about him dripping with sweat when they left a nightclub they went to. And he claims that's proof that she's lying because he had a condition at the time that prevented him from sweating. But when he came out publicly with that, people were like, well, can you prove that? And he cannot. And so there are lots of details about her encounter with Prince Andrew. I won't relay them here, but I will tell you there's a weird thing about this book where despite it being a retelling of instances of rape, it's written like a romance novel. Here is an example quote from the section about Prince Andrew. It wasn't hard to get him wound up to the point where he just wanted to have the rest of me. So we dried off from the cold and retired to my bedchambers. End quote. Bedchambers. Again, worth noting. The journalist who was working with Virginia Roberts on this book is British. And most of these descriptions are undoubtedly being punched up by that journalist. And it is a bad look. Like, I absolutely understand why this was never published. It is baffling the way it was written. And I don't blame Virginia Roberts for that. I blame the person ghostwriting it. But also, speaking of bad looks, Prince Andrew shows up a few times throughout this. And he shows up for the same reason every time. If this was a movie, he would be on the poster for sure. I think Everyone knows that French model scout Jean-Luc Brunel has been named as an Epstein accomplice. In the manuscript, Virginia Roberts provides more details about his role. He was like the international wing. Epstein had Jelaine Maxwell and all these girls in the United States recruiting girls there. And Jean-Luc Brunel, he would hit the vulnerable communities in places like South America and the former Soviet republics. And that guy's dead now, and that's awesome. Except for the part where all of the details he knew about Epstein's scheme, Epstein's scheme, if you will, died with him. But hey, the news isn't all bad when it comes to the names mentioned in this book. We kind of touched on this very briefly on last week's bonus episode, but Al Gore's name comes up in this at one point, and Virginia Roberts could not possibly be more effusive in her praise of Al Gore and his obvious love for and dedication to his wife, Tipper Gore, which is surprising because Tipper Gore is kind of a fuckface. But at least her and Al weren't hanging out with Epstein for his adrenochrome connections, apparently, you know? But obviously Bill Clinton comes up also. And for one thing, it gets really confusing right away. Here's a quote. He is the only president in the world to be dismissed from his role as a world leader because he was caught with his trousers around his ankles and had the stain to prove it. Publicly humiliating his wife and himself, he retired from his title, but not from his lifestyle, end quote. And I mean, that happened, but it didn't happen. That is clearly the writing of someone with little to no knowledge of American history or politics. Like someone Googled Bill Clinton, saw the word impeached, and just assumed, okay, well, yeah, my memory serves me correct. Bill Clinton was kicked out of office. But no, he wasn't. He was, he, he was impeached, but he stayed in office. He didn't leave office. 
And so again, I get why this book wasn't published. It is very weirdly written in a lot of spots. Also, she doesn't directly accuse Clinton of anything. She just says they were hanging out at Epstein Island, you know, as one does, just a casual trip to Epstein Island, and that everyone was joking and laughing. Hillary Clinton wasn't there. That's why Hillary's name comes up in this, because someone mentioned she wasn't there. She says Bill Clinton was being a little flirty, but then everyone just split up and went their separate ways at the end of the night. Granted, she does say Bill Clinton walked off with two women on his arm, but hey, still, walking's not a crime. So the turning point in all of this finally comes when Jeffrey Epstein asked Virginia Roberts to have his child. She was 18 by this point, so that's a thing he could have gotten away with legally. And this, like, snaps her out of it a little bit. Her 19th birthday was approaching very soon, and she had a very valid concern that she was going to be locked into this life that she was living forever. So she agrees to have Jeffrey Epstein's child, but she kicks the can down the road a bit by saying she wanted to wait until she had the professional massage certification she was seeking. And again, that's the whole motivation here. I know it's going to seem unthinkable to people, but the way Virginia Roberts describes her situation, she could have technically left at any point, but she was a troubled kid from a troubled background and working as Jeffrey Epstein's, quote, personal masseuse, end quote, she viewed that as the best opportunity she had to improve her station in life. Jelaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein promised her that working for him would result in her getting that professional massage certificate. And they did, from time to time, provide her with the training she would need to get that. But that was obviously few and far between, and the abuse was the main thing. So along those lines, when she says she wants to get that certification before she has Epstein's baby, about a week later, Jeffrey Epstein calls her into his office and tells her that she is going to Thailand for an eight-week Thai massage course. So he's trying to expedite that process. So now the clock is really ticking. Like, Jeffrey Epstein wants to have a child with this child. And so he sends her off to Thailand to get the massage certificate she wants before she agrees to this. And that is when she finally leaves. She gets to Thailand. She's partying. She's living her life. She's actually learning the things she wanted to learn. She falls in love with a Muay Thai fighter named Robbie, and they get married unexpectedly. She calls Epstein, tells him that she just got married. Jeffrey Epstein says, have a good life, and hangs up the phone. And she moves to Australia. It is about as happy of an ending as a manuscript like this can have. And I immediately regret using the phrase happy ending in this moment. Oof. Anyway, that's our episode. I told you it was going to be a shorter one. It's because there was no one else here to be horrified with me. We linked to the Epstein Files on the last Epstein Files episode. So, hey, if you want to go read this, do it, I guess. But I don't recommend it. It's not going to be good for you. It's not good for anyone. Anyway, that's the episode. Uh, Thank you all for uh, sticking it out with me. Um, You know, if you want bonus episodes, go to youdontpod.supercast.com. 
You can subscribe to Just Conspiracy, the show. You can subscribe to everything we do. And even if you don't, hey, we love you all the same. Thanks. Let's get out of here. Adam, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.